On January 25th of this year, 2011, the people of Egypt decided they'd had enough. They assembled throughout the country and came in force to Tahrir Square. And approximately three weeks later, Egypt's president of over 30 years left office. This was a different kind of revolution. It didn't center around a singular, enigmatic, separatist leader or a significant historical event. It didn't have the energy of a religious revolt. It wasn't a coup, and the military didn't involve itself necessarily until Egypt's president, Hosni Mubarak, stepped down from power. What happens in Egypt is what happens when people can freely communicate without the confines of government control. They know where to show up, when, what's happening, what the government might be responding with, and how to get around that response. They communicated using the tools that you and I would, texting messages on their cell phones, using Twitter, updates on Facebook, posting to their blog, and other social media. Setting up for this episode, I watched a lot of video of Tahrir Square. And what's striking is how many people have their cell phones out, their video cameras, they're texting, they're taking pictures, they're updating their Facebook, they're sending tweets on Twitter, they are letting each other and the world know what's happening to them. It's an interesting time to be a developer especially in Egypt. And that's the subject of this week's show, looking at the Egyptian revolution through the eyes of an Egyptian developer. Scott Hanselman catches up with the developer he met when he was in Cairo last year. And it led to this week's topic, revolt. My fellow citizens, at these hard circumstances, our country is experiencing. President Mohammed Hosni Mubarak has decided to waive the office of the President of the Republic and instructed the Supreme Council of the Armed Forces to run the affairs of the country. at a picture of you on Facebook in front of a tank. Sorry, and I, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, good citizens, I have to take a photo and I have to give that photo to my grandchildren for This developer's life is brought to you by Code Rush for Visual Studio. We appreciate their support. With Consume First Declaration, powerful templates, smart selection tools, intelligent code analysis, innovative navigation, and an unrivaled collection of visual refactorings all working together, your development productivity will increase dramatically. Get Code Rush. You'll be glad you did. Check them out at devexpress.com/codeRush.
I came back from Egypt with pictures and pictures and pictures of my friends, my friends in front of laptops, my friends in front of PowerPoints, my friends in front of code. Now, a year later, I have pictures of them in front of tanks. Ramon Zakaria, the community organizer, the big man on campus, he was .NET for me while I was in Cairo. People orbited him and he orbited people in front of a tank. Ahmed Remy, the gentle giant, incredibly kind, incredibly thoughtful, always focused on the next big thing. Reem Ahmed, slight, tiny little thing, holding a giant flag of Egypt in front of a tank. It's her Facebook picture now. A new Facebook picture to go with her new country. So many stories from so many friends. I wish we could include all of them. It's a different experience not to be able to go online and, you know, see the news, check your email for every now and then. It's, it's different, to be honest. This is Ramon Zakaria. How did you get through that? I mean, what did you, did you, did you develop new systems and have people, you couldn't text each other. You, did you have phone, uh, what we call I, phone trees? Actually, you know what? Uh, no, we don't have that. But uh, I was just working. Uh, me and uh, another guy. We were working on. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, you know you know Turin's right. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it's like peer peer to peer. You know, network. So uh, what what we did is uh, you know the Turin's. Uh, we were working on the Turin's idea, but I, I wanted to make it sort of like peer peer to peer phone calls, peer to peer internet. So we wanted to to have this very small application uh, that you can deploy on all your phones. So you work with .NET Java, all the all the net devices that we have. That's why I was working with a Java developer. He's a friend from high school, and um, uh, you know it's it's very simple. So when someone starts, it looks around, it scans all the all the IP range that he's in, and if he found anyone else around him. You know, they get connected and synchronize their messages between their, each other's. So whenever anyone writes any message, oh, the whole network gets gets it. So it's sort of like a uh, mini Twitter, if, if we can say so. Uh, because the phones were working uh, um, on the GPRS, but they're working internally. So you, you could have accessed the, um, the domains and networks uh, and IPs inside of Egypt, but you cannot go outside. So ah. exactly, yes. So they were like blocking the main gateway of whole Egypt, but still you can access your peers. So what I wanted to do is I scan all of my peers and and IP range above it, you know, just one one IP range above it, and find everyone else who's using the same application. And all of us synch- just synchronizes all the messages that we have. So you get like tons of messages like what's happening exactly now. And like the, the real ones, because, you know, the news has not been very unbiased, if we can say that. Mm-hmm. They were like extremely, uh, oh, everything is good, blah, blah, blah. Or just, oh, everything is crisis. There is a crisis. There is something, uh, you know, people dying like 10 times, you know, 10 person a minute or something like that. From Jazeera, you know, there were like two networks, the mm-hmm. national TV and Jazeera uh, you know, the, it's, it's a, uh, a network in Qatar, 
and they really, really, really hate Egyptians. So they were very happy with that we're having a revolution. Like, okay, Mubarak is down and so on. So uh, the networks, the networks was not very biased. So we wanted to do this application to, you know, share the messages between us. Without there was no SMS, there was no internet. There was just GPRS connection and internally inside Egypt. That's and that's it. Uh, but we were almost finished. But uh, then they got uh, the president got this um, the former president got this uh, uh, speech that he will die in Egypt and uh, he doesn't want anyone else to you know I'm an old man please you know take pity on me and stuff like that I was just finished my uh, my round and that's it and uh, they got the internet back in the second day the just day it was on Wednesday. Uh, it was on Tuesday night, and they got the internet back on Wednesday, so we, we didn't really need it. This is such a classic software engineering thing to do. I mean, they've cut you off from the internet, your country's in chaos. How can you solve this problem with software? In the old days, it would have been ham radio. All the ham radio people would have gotten together and they would have fixed this thing. But today we've got software. They've shut you off and you're all alone in your own subnet, except the subnet isn't your organization, it's your country. So they build this application that scans up a couple of levels from their uh, subnet and says, is there anyone in Egypt that's running this application? They build a big peer-to-peer IRC thing in order to move the revolution forward. It's incredibly clever. And I love it because it's exactly what, what I would have done. If something happened like this again, I think this application would be handy. This this would be important. Or maybe we can sell it to Libya now or something. This would be good. <laughs> yeah. They need it. Uh, the guy is crazy over there. That's Even it. worse than ours. <clears throat> That's really interesting. So there was a problem. The entire internet was shut down and you guys needed to decide, we need to solve this problem. And you're engineers, so of course you want to solve this problem in yeah, software. Clearly, exactly. clearly. Oh, the internet shut off. Our country is falling apart. We are kicking the president out. Well, we're all on the same subnet. Let's make a chat program. That's amazing. Exactly. And it's not a simple chat program. It's a smart one. It goes online. It goes through the subnet, scans all the ports and all the IPs. Just a specific range of random ports, so no one can block it. So port like... 10, uh, 19, 48, uh, just a random, random set of ports. And uh, you, when you go in, you connect, you synchronize your post messages. So if you talk to person A and I talk to person B, when I and you synchronize ourselves, we get the whole messages of the four of us. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. You know, uh, I, I don't know that the, 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 the thing, the saying in English, but, you know, when uh, the need is, is uh, when you need something, this is why, this is when you can invent it. This is the main, the main time that you need to invent this, this thing that you need. Right. We say necessity is the mother of invention. Exactly. Necessity is the mother of invention. That's the one. Wow. How has it been doing business while this is happening? I mean, it, you still want to yeah. do, you still want to do work. I mean, you want you're you're a business. You're ready to you're ready to write software. Exactly. Yeah. Um, actually, it was uh, a bit strange, but the the internet went down um, on Friday, 
uh, that's uh, January 28th. And we uh, we just learned about it, uh, like really early in the morning. And so, so I wanted to, I drove to the company and wanted to check if I can do anything before we go offline, but uh, really couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, once, once I went there, uh, everything was already down. And also the mobile phones at the same time. Mm. Uh, so yeah, we actually, at this time, we had like three deliveries, of course, that we didn't make any of them. Uh, happening, but uh, luckily we were working okay the week before, so customers were like a bit, you know, annoyed, but and they were a bit freaked out. But most of them went back again after after the internet came back. Most of them went went back again to work with us. We actually gained some new customers as well. That was very good. Really? So I mean, did you lose more or gain more? I mean, when I would think that most Western countries would want to run in fear. Oh, your country is in crisis. I don't want to do business with you now. Well, actually, that that did happen, um, you know, uh, a lot. But most most of them, like, uh, so uh, we had customers that were terminating business, like we're stopping now. And but so, but some customers like finished finished the projects, like as I told you, they were we were having deliveries uh, at this week that we went down mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, like we we finished the delivery has been finished in any way, but they didn't want to renew uh, the contract, like having more projects. So I went I went to the speech, the the support Egypt speech that we we did we did work good. We were of a benefit to you, and I'm living in Egypt now, and I know that it's safe. And we need you to go back and come and help us. You know, so if if I was helping your business for a couple of years, and you know that I'm good. And we had just such a crisis that ended well. We had we kicked off our president, so you know that how persistent and stubborn the Egyptians are now, uh, which is good. Uh, you need you need to go back and still working with us. And actually, most of them, the one that had projects, they came back, and we won new customers. That we actually were the past this week, we got like three three new customers. Uh, which is very good. The people actually, uh, when they start outsourcing and working with offshore companies, they have even even little sense of adventure. Not not very not a big one, but as, at least they they can risk that, uh, oh, we're going to send our source code over, all over the sea and uh, who knows, we, don't, we didn't see those people, etc. So what, what they did, actually, they, take, they took the risk that working with us and they knew it's fine. So when we told them again, it's fine, come on, come over back and keep working because we need, we need, we really, really need your business now because of our economy, mm-hmm. you know, tourism and everything, uh, they, they actually went back. And some of them were, uh, you know, maximizing their businesses. We're still, we're still not stable, like all the companies here, uh, whether they're working internally or externally. I, I'm having a friend uh, who works, uh, who uh, builds software for uh, tourism companies. And you can imagine the crisis that he's in now. Like, there's no tourism actually in Egypt now at all, almost. Now people are just, you know, to just, we're talking... 
the past two weeks, like a couple of thousands are coming back and people are coming, still coming, Tromche, places like this. Mm-hmm. But still, they need some time to go back and start looking for software again, uh, you know, for their companies. So we've, we've been had, but not the worst. You can, you can come here, you can try working with us. Um, people now are very, very persistent and they have this amazing, amazing power um, that they want to prove themselves and start over again. Um, I'm not meaning start over by, um, you know, just because of revolution, but start over because all of us has discovered a new us inside, you know, if, if, I, if this is Englishly correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have discovered, rediscovered ourselves again, and everyone else now, like they, they were regretting that they spent the past years, 30 years, uh, in fear and did not say anything. Now this we see and we know that we can do something and we can do huge things with the the, the mass, the mass, amazing size of coverage that we have uh, about what we did in Egypt mm. we're extremely proud now and we want to prove to people that we want to do something we want to show you that we're very 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 good and this is this is new Egypt now you need to work with the new Egyptians Most people, a revolution is something they watch from a TV screen. It happens to people in a land far away that you probably don't have much in common with. Ramon is just like me. He's just like you. And if there was a central figure to this revolution, well, it wasn't a religious leader, it wasn't a great inspirational speaker. It was Wael Khonim, a marketing executive from Google. And these people are just like us. They are us. I was talking with Stephen Forte and he, he used to say, hey, you're second word now because you have a Starbucks. So, yeah, maybe, maybe that's right for the people who like the Starbucks. <laughs> I, I'm okay with anything crazy, you know, gets our ranking up. So whatever you want to send in here, send it, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds like Stephen. Oh yeah, he, yeah. Uh, you know that he got married, right? Yeah, I saw on Facebook. I thought that was fantastic. That's funny. Yeah. I always learn about important things like that from Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> yeah, you're a big country, my friend. Yeah, yeah. It was. No, like it, it was. Two states. It was interesting also to hear that um, Facebook played a bigger part, plays a bigger part in Egypt and social media than Twitter does. That Twitter is where the elites hang out, but Facebook is where a huge, huge portion of the the country stays like True. that's where it all happens so he, they were saying that they would make the update on twitter but they would feed it to to facebook to facebook yes yes and actually you know what uh, so you know the national democratic party that the, the ruling party that used to be here mm-hmm. uh, they had this committee uh, of people that goes on Facebook and try to mislead people so mm. they go with different names and try to uh, say some comments, oh, Egypt is still good, uh, the president is fine, blah, blah, blah. And they do not say it directly, but they say it in a twisted way. And this was extremely, extremely dangerous 
because people were like uh, people got confused lots lots of people got confused mm. um, yeah and and this is why Twitter was was even better because uh, they didn't know that Twitter exists or just they weren't being this influential because when you're on Twitter you're following people that you really like what they're thinking and you know them most likely but in Facebook like you know you can add tons of friends uh, that, or just people requesting to add you well maybe I saw him or her so I just accept it hmm. uh, Twitter is way 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 different and this is why they were being pushed outside of Twitter and the thing that the very very good thing is uh, Twitter really really helped in uh, Jan 25th, uh, you know, the, the, the day, Jan 25th, not the revolution, because, uh, the, you know, the, the uh, I don't know what the name of the, the police, the, the ones that used to uh, fight the rights and stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, they were uh, waiting for the people who were talking on Facebook. So they were saying, oh, we'll meet in front of the university. So they were, they were waiting for them over there. So when you see when someone goes in with his mobile and he sees the these people all over the place, the police, he just tweets, guys, the police is over here, just go uh, to X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. That's it. So it's like a real-time communicator. And this is how we could, we, we could, you know, gather ourselves and being big. You know, the protest was huge. But they wouldn't be able to do this if they if they went to the... Uh, assembly points that used to be. So just a simple person going off the metro underground and sees the police, just send a tweet and everyone else tweets it mm-hmm. and that's it. So this is why we managed to be a big, big protests on the 25th and this is why, this is how we managed to be bigger on the 28th. This is exactly why is that happening. Why does it feel like it happened in, in 18 days? It seems like it really happened over <laughs> A couple of years. Oh yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> we we were like every day we were. Um, it's, it's, uh, when when you see it now, after after we're done, um, it's very it's a very very sh- short period, like eighteen days. It's less than a month mm. to to throw off a system that has been on for thirty more than thirty years. It's it's strange. So uh, what what we were. Um, and uh, at, at the, the beginning of every day, we were like uh, thinking what will happen. Everyone has his doubts, uh, to be honest, and everyone had these confusions. It was, it was really, really extremely confusing inside. And there's a big uh, problem that happened as well. Um, that, uh, you know, the national TV, the state TV, uh, used to say things that the elder people uh, think it's true. So they were from uh, Nasser's generation and, you know, from the 50s. And there was, this was only the, the only media that they can see. So anything the TV says, then it's 100% true. So you can imagine me, uh, me myself, I was in my home working online, trying to... Uh, figuring out what happened from following way, way too many people hmm. and thinking it over and, you know, linking uh, the dots together. And my family, who are, by the way, working at the national TV, they were like 100% uh, believing that the people at, uh, at Tahrir Square are uh, Islamists, are um, 
you know, they're like uh, unemployed, uh, poor, bad people, which is exactly the negative, the opposite. But this is was this is what was the TV is saying. Like these people are causing chaos. These people are bringing our economy down. These people, these people, these people. So we we practically had fights every day, uh, like for more than a week. Mm. Like yeah, and and I was I was a good one. I had some friends that has been kicked off their homes. They, so this is why they stayed at Tahrir like day and night because they don't have any place to go. Like the fathers. parents kick them out. I actually met like four of them. They were uh, staying the night, spending the night at Tahrir because they didn't have no place to go. So this is why if you saw the, the night shots, you would see many people because most of them were like get off their homes and stuff like that. Wow. They want to stay and yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to stay. They want to, you know, uh, make a statement if we can say so. It was it was very good. And personally, here at, at Delsoft, uh, we had even of our office boy. Uh, he used to come here, and you know, we work from eight, so he comes here by seven thirty or something, and leaves at five, and then goes to Tahrir to spend the night over there. Wow. And then come back again the, the second day. I wonder if you feel like you own your country more, you own the revolution more, if you were in the square. Yes, yes, extremely. Uh, when, I, when I went the first day, so the first day I went was... The, the, the Tuesday uh, before you know the camels went in and all this stuff mm. uh, I, this was the first day I went in after like huge fights with my parents to let me go go out because you know because of the all the prisons got broken and all that and we were protecting our homes but once I feel once I felt um, once I felt it safe to go in and to leave my family uh, I just went in. So uh, this was the first day, and when I went back, uh, I went with people and friends, and I've seen all the political and religion and religious part, uh, parties uh-huh. in in Tahrir Square. It was uh, it felt it felt to be honest, it felt like the U.S. I was in New York having lunch, and uh, I just see people from all you know Asians. Uh, Black Americans, um, uh, Caucasian, or uh, Indians, everyone, just mm. everyone, just passing by in New York. Uh, it was, it was just, it felt, it felt strange, uh, because this was the first time that I see all, all, uh, you know, the the nationalities that's in the same place. I felt the same when I was in Tahrir, but that time I saw all the ideas. I've seen Muslim brotherhoods. I've seen. Um, the guys who I don't know, Salaf, Salaf are the guys who follow the the way exact way of uh, the Prophet Muhammad, mm-hmm. uh, the Prophet of Islam. Mm-hmm. They they exactly follow the same way, like fourteen hundred years. They're ago. very devout and very uh, yeah. like like um like a Hasidic Jew is very specific about Judaism. Exactly. They're very specific about Islam. 
Exactly. Yes, exactly. So uh, they, they, I saw Salaf, I saw Muslim Brotherhood, I saw uh, the, the medium regular parties, like uh, they're, they're okay, they're not very extreme. I saw the Na- National Democratic Party, I saw some of them, uh, they were protesting against their party, which is, was cool. And um, I saw, I, actually I saw everyone. This time, this day, I had an interview with Thomas Friedman and uh, I had like five interviews and everyone was asking us what what do what do we think and why we um, you know uh, what do we think and why are we staying here and what do we want and I told him it's a very simple thing everyone came here wants to say something um, I'm okay I have I'm running a company I have a nice car I have a nice apartment I'm, I'm okay uh, I, like I don't need money and I have a good education but I'm here because I'm 28 uh, 27 years old and uh, I want to elect another president before I die being in Tahrir, um, I felt like washed out, you know, being, seeing all, all of these people at the same place, talking to them. We actually, uh, I was part of the people who held the, the prayer uh, at, at uh, the Tahrir, and uh, I was organizing some of uh, the blood donations uh, because people were needing blood. Uh, once, once I went there and I saw Salaf, these Salaf guys looking strangely at uh, how the Christians are, are, are praying, and you know they were like looking uh, very, very, very curious about what we're doing and trying to ask themselves and stuff like that. This was very good. Yeah, now you can see that there were people in Egypt that they would eat, not even open to each other and see how do they live. This is why you expect that there will be tension and stuff like that. But mm. seeing those people like all in the same place and all saying, please God, at least all of them, like Christians and Muslims and everyone say, please God, do this. It was, it was awesome. And when all of us, the people said, long live Egypt and we're all one hand, you know, when, when you hear like a couple of millions screaming the same thing, long live Egypt, at the same time, they were screaming, not shouting, everyone, not chanting. Everyone's like saying from the heart, like really from the heart, long live Egypt. This is like, you know, it not, not only gives you goosebumps, it just, it's, it washes you from inside out. You feel wow. that you have your country back again. When you see everyone, can you imagine, uh, I, uh, maybe you, you could have been in, you know, uh, a rock party or something like, you know, when you have, thousands of people at the same place at the same time uh-huh. and they're all chanting the same song you, you, you know the feeling of everyone saying the same thing at the same time uh, multiply this by 10 at least this is this is how we felt inside inside Tahrir Square when we all we all say long, long live Egypt or Tahya Masr in Arabic Tahya Masr T-A-H-Y-A Masr is Egypt M-A-S-R this was strange you know, very, 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 very powerful. And uh, after the revolution succeeded, uh, of course, I went to the streets uh, with all my friends celebrating as well. Uh, but uh, in the second day, when the president has uh, quit, 
and mm-hmm. such a sign. Mm-hmm. I went the second day to Tahrir Square and um, I had like tons of photos of what's happening. And I, you know, I went like six in the morning, very early, and uh, there were people standing over there, over the bridges. There were bridges, uh, you know, very close to Tahrir Square, 6th October bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, I, st- I, I parked my car. Everyone was parking his car at the bridge, like there was no traffic still. And I start seeing people getting their families, you know, children and wives and stuff, people like that. And it was the first time to come over and see who are the guys who did this to Egypt. It was very, it, it, it felt extremely great mm-hmm. when, when, uh, when you explain to people uh, what you've been part of, like, Guys, this is how, how it's happening. These are the people that's happening. And you, fire, you see the fire, the fire in the eyes of the protesters who were very proud uh, of what they did. Mm-hmm. I, saw, I saw people, they were, their eyes were sparkling when they explained to other people what happened and how they slept and how they've been beaten and how they be back. It was, it was, you know, a life-changing experience, hmm. if I can say that. Yeah. Yeah. We were extremely proud. We felt that this is our country and we should take care of it. What do you do the night that you, you're in the square and you hear that he's, he's going to step down? How do you go to sleep that night? I mean, how do you even funk? How do you go to work the next day? What do you... <laughs> No, actually, no one, no one had slept that night. So I, I t- I'll tell you what happened exactly. So we, we were and um, we had this huge amount of rumors that he was leaving on uh, the Thursday night. Mm. Okay. And actually the CRA t- said this and everyone, everyone saying he was stepping down. And he actually, he was stepping down that day, but his, his son like changed the the speech and forced him to do another speech that he's not stepping down. Mm-hmm. So I went to Tahrir that day, and I'm not sure if 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 you've ever seen this or not or not. Have you seen a very crowded bus, mm-hmm. like you know buses, a very crowded one that you keep telling people, "Excuse me," to go through? Uh, it was even worse than that. Mm. In, in in a huge square, you can imagine the amount of people that were there. Seriously, people got hurt from people sometimes stepping on them. Wow. If someone fell. Yes, exactly. That was, it was that crowded. Uh, so uh, we were waiting and waiting and waiting. Then I went to uh, the guards because, uh, you know, there was like sort of the, like scout, the scout boys. There were guards around the, the perimeter to search people um, making sure that no one, uh, you know, carrying weapons or anything. No one's trying to sabotage what's happening now. So I stayed with them. Uh, I had my phone and I used my headphones as to, to use my phone as a radio. Mm-hmm. And we got the speech and I start listening and repeating to the people around me uh, what the president is saying. And I was, it, this was like one of the most depressing moments in my life. Like uh, I say it worse, I don't really understand anything. It doesn't mean anything to me. I keep listening and saying, listening and saying, like automatically. And then once it's just done, the the the, the speech has been done. Uh, he's not stepping down, and everyone was like getting crazy. They actually went to the state TV beneath it. Uh, it's, it's really, it's really close to uh, the Tahrir Square. 
and the Egyptian Museum. Uh, they went to uh, they went to uh, the place uh, the the TV and people start marching from Tahrir Square to to um, the president uh, palace. The people was chanting that uh, he must step down. The president must step down. The people wants the president to step down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everyone was at rage and very 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 depressed. And when I went back this home this day, I was like. I didn't know what to do, but we all uh, agreed on one thing, mm-hmm. that people will live in Tahrir Square. Mm. They actually st- started to build bathrooms, you know, in Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut uh, uh, and Hardee's, they were having, you know, <laughs> yeah, actually they started building bathrooms inside Hardee's. And uh, they started building bathrooms and start getting more tents. And we're now, we're, we're living here. No one is going to touch this land. And you can imagine more than two, two million people at the same place and more than five, uh, you know, 500,000 are staying, they're not leaving, mm. like quarter of them. And another quarter us are moving to the uh, national, uh, you know, to the president balance. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the army was very uh, confused. Uh, at least this is what I see from my point of view. That uh, if they, they now they can do like what the Gaddafi is doing now, they're shooting their people, mm. or they're just forcing this president to leave, and uh, this is what happened. I, I wasn't there. Uh, a friend was there, and he said that they moved the tanks. You know, the tanks. The, they have this huge gun. They were aiming at the protesters, and then just uh, just like that, they they switched. Uh, they turned the. the the guns back to the palace. Everyone was like chanting and screaming, this this means that the army is with them now. And actually, yes, that's what happened. So all the tanks now are aiming at the palace and people were like, uh, yes, I know Mick Egypt, only if Egypt and Tahir Masr. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then the president came, the vice president came and say the president is uh, resigning. President Mohammed Hosni Mubarak has decided to waive the office of the president of the republic and instructed the Supreme Council of the Armed Forces to run the affairs of the country. We were exploding, exploding of pride mm. that day. This, this is at least the least thing I can say. You cannot see the people on the streets. A humongous number of people. I never, I've never seen these people in the streets at the same time happy. This was the first time in my life I see this. So yeah, people, no one, no one has slept that day. Mm-hmm. I went, I went back like two or three in the morning. And six in the morning, I couldn't stay more than three to four hours. And I went back to Tahrir and started telling people what we did. And this is what we did for you. Mm. You're welcome. Now you no need to thank you. We all did it for us and you're welcome. People were like, oh, so you see, this is the place that has been burned. And this is, these are the barriers and the people were making. And some of them went to, actually went inside Tahrir Square and it was the first time they see it uh, this way. Mm. Uh, you know, we're having all the protesters and everyone. It was it was just awesome. 
it was awesome explaining to people what you did and what you've been part of. You you just uh, you know this this is when you know that this is your country and no one can even force you to do something like this, you know, to give up this right again. Now we understand why uh, I personally understand why the Americans when they say fight for freedom. Uh, when you guys fight for freedom for yourself inside the U.S., uh, I know now why it was meaning so much, even in um, you know the, the the civil war and all of that. Now now I know what you guys were feeling by then. Many, many thanks for the folks that were involved in today's show. Certainly Rob Connery for his amazing editing and music choices. Also our volunteer editors, Besnick Bellagoo, John Galloway, Marcel Dupreez, and Troy Howard, who helped with some audio problems that we had. And most of all, thank you to Ramon Zakaria for telling his story. A story that could have gotten him in trouble before the revolution. But now, a story that we can share on this developer's life. Thank you. Code Rush for Visual Studio for helping support this developer's life. Code Rush has the fastest rename, the fastest find all references, fastest test runner. When it comes to creating, modifying, and refactoring code, nothing's faster than Code Rush. It's been on my ultimate power tools list since forever. Get Code Rush. You'll be glad you did. Check them out at devexpress.com slash Code Rush. We appreciate their support. <laughs>